I'm Stacy, And I'm Pete. And we're the best podcasters you're listening to right now. That is so true. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> oh, wait. It's too early for that. I got to save that for Halloween. <laughs> this is Halloween. Oh, wait. Sorry. For me, once 4th of July has hit, I'm ready for Halloween. I'm trying to refrain from scary movies and spooky season stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like... Once Halloween is gone, it is Christmas time. Yeah. Thanksgiving does not exist. <laughs> but it's summertime. Drums, please. How did you spend your days in the summer when you were a kid? So mostly pool hopping in my neighborhood. I mean, I spent most of my time in our pool. My parents put a pool in when I was two in 81, I believe. And I had to learn how to swim quickly because they weren't putting up any gates. Yeah, that wasn't a requirement then, was it? No, that was the 80s for you. Yeah. (laughs) Literally sink or swim. Literally. But my next door neighbor that we were good friends with had a pool and... Our other neighbor on the other side of them had an aunt who actually lived right behind us, my house, and they had a pool. So we would, we just thought it was fun to, you know, shift houses and shift pools. And like the neighbors next to us had, well, actually both of the other pools had slides. Oh, nice. We didn't have slides. So that was fun. You had a diving board. Yeah. Right. Yes. The people across the street from me had a slide and it was a lot of fun back then. Yeah, for sure. I was very jealous. And- I just always think about those sandwiches that you would get, like you'd have to get out of the pool and sit. We would sit at a little table that was there by the pool, you know, in your wet bathing suit with a towel wrapped around you. Those were always just the best sandwiches and with like a Capri Sun. Oh, yeah. And my mom made ice cream cookie rounds every summer, which is just two cookies that she baked and put a little scoop of ice cream in. And then you wrap it in tinfoil and put it in the freezer. They're delicious. Oh God, they're so good. I feel like I made them like last summer. You or did. something. Obviously, it's super easy, but it was always a staple at our house in the summertime. All my friends knew that there were typically going to be ice cream cookie rounds in the freezer. But we would also spend a lot of time at our cabin at the lake. And we <laughs> As would... the rich kids do. <laughs> it wasn't a fancy cabin, though. Leave me alone. <laughs> so... My uncle had a boat and we would go out on the boat some and I tried to learn to ski and it was tragic. Did you ever actually get up on the water? No. No? No. I tried. Well, at least you tried. But yeah, like my uncle Bill was in the water with me, like trying to help me. I'm just not athletic. Just didn't work well, out. It's a skill. It's tough. Yeah. Also, I'm just one of those people that if I try something a few times and don't like it, I'm like, nah. Get blown out. <laughs> like not for me. Not for me. So I do remember though, like riding bikes everywhere and I would ride them through a cemetery that was like right on the other side of my uncle's cabin. And I mean, I was by myself for a lot of that. But the cemetery was like, it had like all these fun little hills and stuff. So I would just ride through by myself, ride down the road to go down to my other aunt and uncles that they had a place a little further down. And I just remember feeling 
so free. Yeah. You know, and it was hot and there were gnats blowing in my <laughs> face and in my in my mouth. You like have to keep your mouth shut so that they don't blow in your mouth. Oh man, I completely forgot about gnats on bikes. Yes. Oh, it's the worst. It was the worst. And you you know, usually getting like eaten up by mosquitoes and all that good stuff, but it was still amazing. And I also remember watching like I don't think that we had a lot of channels down there. I don't want to say that we didn't have cable because I think we did. But I remember the TV being one of those. This wasn't like one of the cabinet TVs. It was like a, I mean, it so was it just wasn't like a, a big, silver TV. Like it wasn't a, like a big box. Did right, it have it was like silver. a surround? On the side, it had this panel of these little buttons. And as you pushed one in, all the others were popped out. Yeah. And that was how you changed the channel was going through and pushing all the buttons. Right. It wasn't a remote control TV. You had to be up on the TV pushing the buttons to change the channel. Oh, nice. And I remember watching a lot of like beach blanket bingo, like (laughs) with Frankie and Annette, Gilligan's Island, Adam's Family, like all these shows that were popular like in the 60s. That's what I would watch in the summer times. Color or black and white as Uh, far as the television goes? The TV had color, but, you know, obviously like Adam's Family was black and white. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Very nice. Good times, though. What about you? During the week, I'd be at my mom's house. So a lot of that time would be spent playing down by the falls, you know, adventuring down there. Yeah. If I was at the house and it was hot out, we'd have a sprinkler mm-hmm. that yep. we'd run through, mm-hmm. get a lot of grass on your feet. Yes. We also had a kiddie pool. Also with the grass on yes. the feet. <laughs> I feel like that was where you washed your feet off. Yes. <laughs> Not where you actually right. played. I think- my younger brothers and sisters probably did play in there a little bit, but they were probably covered in grass. If it wasn't one of those days, almost every week we'd go to Lake Ontario, which was 15 minutes away. It's a place called Hamlin Beach. Yeah. So that, you know, is like a mini ocean. It's an enormous lake near white sand beaches, you know, things like that. So that was a lot of fun, but we'd always bring like a picnic lunch. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'd have soggy peanut butter and jelly sandwiches (laughs) because I don't think my mom put peanut butter on both sides. So the jelly would soak through, soak through into the bread. Mm. But, you know, I remember that they were like super squished. Yeah. (laughs) And really soggy, but uh, delicious at the time. Also during the week, I'd get to hang out with my friends during the summer. Mm -hmm. That's when I'd go spend the night or I'd have a friend come over and spend the night. I did a lot of that too. There was a lot of that going on in the summer. I didn't have anybody that lived close by as far as like being in walking distance. Mm -hmm. It was a 10 minute drive to my closest friend. It was always something that had to be planned. You know, it wasn't just like spontaneous. Right. But on the weekends, I'd be at my dad's house and that's where I had a pool as well. Mm -hmm. So I'd spend a lot of time in the pool. Making whirlpools. Making whirlpools because he had a circle in-ground pool and it was small. It was like 18 feet in diameter. And so, I mean, you could get that thing trucking as far (laughs) as whirlpools went. That was one of my favorite things to do in there. But I'd watch a lot of movies in the summer as far as like going to the movie theater. I'd ride my bike a ton to get there. And then I'd always go see my dad and we'd have lunch or we'd go out for a motorcycle ride or we'd also go to like bike races or like a car show or something like that. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time with my dad during the summer as well. Nice. Yeah, it's a good time. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can join our Facebook group, which has changed names. It is now called The Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. 
We're slowly growing over there. We have some great mods, Joanna and Stephanie, that are helping us out, starting conversations. So come over there. It's a good time. It is. We're on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at we don't want to grow up at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the podcast and all of our other endeavors, you can become a member of our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. There you can gain access to bonus episodes and soon to be extra content. Another way you can support us is by giving us a five-star rating if you listen on Apple Podcasts and leaving us a nice review. You may listen on other platforms and maybe there's another way that you could rate us or review us there. So if there is, please do so. Those numbers do matter. So if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. Also, you could help spread the word by sharing about it with your friends and family and on your social media platforms with your followers. Well, this movie that we're talking about this week, when we asked people what their favorite summer movie was, this was one that came up a lot. And obviously, I definitely thought about it as well. It's Now and Then from 1995. It's another coming-of-age story. We just came off of doing Stand By Me. And I've said before, I think when we talked about some of our favorite movies, that this is basically the girl version of Stand By Me. Yeah. It's like a decade later. It's progressed a little bit, but very similar. Yes. They're great friends. They have a mission to uncover a mystery about a dead kid. Mm -hmm. And they're riding their bikes around a lot and having their own personal struggles while they're going through it. And it's funny, like this one was made a decade later Mm -hmm. and it's set pretty much a decade after Stand By Me was. Right. Because it was 1959 as far as the setting goes. This is 1970. Yes. Yep. And we were talking about this last night, which actually made me a little sick to my stomach to think about the fact that this movie was made in 1995 and was set in 1970. And I remember watching it in 1995 and and feeling like, oh, this is so, it's so dated, but it's so fun to see something in 1970. That would be the same as a movie made today set in the year. (laughs) 1995. Is it 1995? Yeah. Is that how it works out? Exactly how it works out. Oh. I mean, plus a year is actually 26 years. Wow. Crazy, right? That is so, so like oddly full circle. (laughs) I can't even really wrap my brain around that. It makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, to say the least, because now somebody make a movie about us in 1995 and it would feel super nostalgic. Yeah, like, oh, oh, look how look how old that is. (laughs) Yeah, they'd be like, oh, look at them. They don't have cell phones, you know, like, oh, my gosh. But it's still super fun. To, you know, look back on it. Obviously, we like looking back on things or we wouldn't have this podcast. Yeah. And it was fun to look back at it because I brought this up while we were watching it. This isn't that far as far as the setting goes and the technology that exists. Mm -hmm. It's not that far removed from our actual childhood, like time that we can remember. I feel like the time from like 1970 to 1980, as far as my early childhood goes, things didn't change that much. They they started to change a little bit into the mid 80s. And of course, you know, things progressed very quickly. But Mm -hmm. those two time periods were so similar. It's like just the colors changed. Right. You know, the styles changed as far as like what people wore. Yes. And having more TV, you said. Right. Exactly. There were more television stations like cable was kind of around by then. Yeah, and it wasn't far after that that MTV exactly. became a thing. And then things really started to drastically change. Yes, MTV really impacted it did. just culture yeah. in general. The advent of cable and then MTV yeah. changed the world. 
truly did. And it's funny, too, because in this film, you know, like we said, it's a coming of age story, but you're meeting four women, four adult women who are getting together in 1995, who haven't seen each other in a long time. And then they're recounting this summer of 1970. So they're talking about how, like, this was before the days of MTV and Nintendo. Yeah. We had to entertain ourselves kind of thing. So it was already like just seeing that little juxtaposition. Right. Um, yeah. And it's an so. interesting way to frame the movie as well. Like it's not a normal way that movies are framed. So it was cool to see it done that way. Yes. So this was directed by, it's a difficult name, Leslie Blinka Gladder. Now she did Homeland and Mad Men and something else that was big. I can't remember, but. Mad Men and Homeland were her two like television claims to fame. And the screenwriter was Marlene King, who did Pretty Little Liars. Mm. So she's great at telling these like female driven stories. And this whole like the producers were female. It was very, very much. It was important. We saw an interview with Thora Birch, who's in the movie, who talks about, you know, at the time, these young four girls didn't realize. Yeah. Like how big of a deal this was and how important it was. Because I wonder before this movie, how often that had happened. Right. I guarantee you not that often. Not that often, for so, sure. So this had to be very progressive right. for the time. I mean, like Clueless was kind of that way, which is also in 95. Right. But yeah, it's just cool to hear. And it's funny, like even still today, it gets called out that it it's does. like a female it's a driven thing. project. I mean, it's changed and probably become more common, but it's still... Uncommon enough that it's mentioned. noticed, yeah, right. mentioned. So star-wise, we have Gabby Hoffman and Demi Moore, who played the young and old versions of Samantha Albertson. And Demi is actually the narrator of the film. Yes. She also, this is in the fun facts, but I'll just throw it in here. She also was one of the producers of the film. Oh, was she? Yeah. So playing Roberta Martin was Christina Ricci and Rosie O'Donnell. Playing Chrissy DeWitt was... Ashley Aston Moore, who sadly passed away in 2007 due to a drug overdose. You know, so sad to hear that. Very sad. Uh, and also Rita Wilson. Then you have Thora Birch and Melanie Griffith playing Tina Teeny Tercel. It's a very uh, fun role. I feel like that would be a very fun role to play. It looked it, yeah. You got Devin Sawa, one of your favorites, as Scott Wormer. Listen, I think he was a favorite of many my age at that time. Even though, like, Really, in 1995, I was like a sophomore in high school, but he was actually older than they were in this movie because he was like actually 15, I think, when they filmed this. I will say that Devin Sawa is not a name that I knew until you mentioned him within the last five years. So funny. That's how much he wasn't on my radar. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't getting all the the Teen Beat and the Big Bopper magazines, Tiger Beat. They might have been coming to the house, but not for me. (laughs) So Lolita Davidovich played Mrs. Albertson, who is Samantha's mom. Good job on that name. Thank you. Rumor Willis played Angela Albertson, who's actually credited as Willa Glenn, because I guess she had a stage name at that point, but she's the sister of Samantha. Right. And if you don't know, that's Bruce and Demi's daughter. Yeah. Cloris Leachman (laughs) played Samantha's grandma, and she's like one of the best characters in this film, I believe. She is. Hank Azaria played Bud Kent, who was Samantha's mom's boyfriend. Bug. Bug. Bonnie Hunt as Mrs. DeWitt, who was Chrissy's mom. This was such a great cast. Yeah. Janine Garofalo. Speaking of a great cast. As Willa Dean, who was a waitress at the diner where the girls would go. 
and also a fortune teller and a witch. I don't know. Like the girl said she was a witch, but her house was set up like she was a fortune teller. Yeah. She know? looked like she was just a fortune teller. Walter Sparrow played Crazy Pete. Crazy although Pete. Although I like to just call him Pete. Yeah. He's just Pete. It's a personal preference. But yeah. that's after having seen the whole movie. Right. Bradley Coriel as Clay Wormer, one of the Wormer boys. Travis Robertson as Roger Wormer. Justin Humphrey as Eric Wormer. And then a little cameo by Brendan Fraser. He was the Vietnam veteran, but it is insane to me that he went uncredited and he had like a pretty solid scene with them. Like, that's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, it's not like he was just in the background or just said like, hey, girls, like he had a whole scene. That's odd that it was uncredited. All right. So let's get into the fun facts for this. one. Okay. first of all, I mentioned Marlene King, the screenwriter. She wrote this movie when she was only 10 years old. Wow. She said that it was about her group of friends growing up. And when she was asked which girl she was, she joked that she was everyone but Chrissy. (laughs) That is such a cop out. Which girl is she? She's definitely (laughs) one of the girls in here. Well, I think that she probably identifies as a lot of them. But she said, this was really my childhood. I had some best friends. We did seances in the graveyard and we loved a good mystery. She said, and my parents were also getting divorced at that time. It was a very true to life thing for me. So, I mean, in that instance, I would say Samantha, but maybe she kind of can relate to Roberta and Teeny as well. Mm. So she was Demi Moore in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. She did narrate it. So so speaking about that Brendan Fraser scene, Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to be in the movie as the war veteran, That's but he so dropped funny. out at the last minute. And I wonder if that's why it was uncredited because it was last minute somehow. I don't. I don't know how that, that doesn't works. really make sense. Doesn't. It's also weird to think about because Leo was still so young in '95. Like that was before Romeo and Juliet. Well, he's playing somebody coming back from Vietnam. I mean, you're yeah, 20 he, years old, 20, 21. If you get injured, you go when you're 18. You come back when you're 22. Well, I think of him and Romeo and Juliet as a teenager. They were teenagers, but he just looks way younger than Brendan Fraser. He does have, or did have, you know, quite a baby face back then. Supposedly, someone had suggested that they look into this guy, Matt Damon. Oh, really? And they ended up meeting Brendan first and just really enjoying his performance. So they never even saw Matt. Really? Yeah. That's funny. I saw a thing on TikTok where Matt was talking about his early days in the industry and you know what it felt like and how him and Ben came to do Goodwill Hunting. It was because they, they kept on going out to read for jobs and things like that, and they get so close They were like, it's never going to happen unless we make it happen. So I wonder if this was one of those. It was just like, you see, it's never going to happen until we make (laughs) it happen. Kirsten Dunst was also offered a part in the movie, I assume, the part of Chrissy because she turned it down because she didn't want to gain weight and ruin her figure. Oh, wow. And I know that that's what Ashley had to do for the role she put on 20 pounds, I think, for the role. Thora Birch didn't know how to ride a bike, which is crazy. So she had to learn before filming since they rode their bikes everywhere. Yeah, I know. Imagine like you get the part and then you can't ride a bike and they're like, hey, for 90% of this film, you're going to be riding a bike. Yeah. And you need to look like you do it all the time. Yeah. And I wonder if if it was like, oh, hey, I know how to ride a bike and they didn't know about that. Or if she said, yeah, I don't know how to ride a bike. But it was like after she had already been cast. Yeah. Well, they may have just assumed that everyone knew how to ride one and then they discovered it later. They also said that her bike in particular was the most difficult one to ride because it had like really skinny tires. And I don't Ah. know if it was like an older bike because her bike's the one that also had the radio on the front of it. Okay. So I don't I don't know if that meant it was an older bike or what. But So the girls apparently had a bet going about who would, quote unquote, get with 
Devin Sawa while filming. And one of the producers had said, like, there was some contest. And I remember that they said, get with Devin. And we were all like, what does get with mean? (laughs) (laughs) And Thora Birch said that Christina Ricci won. So I don't know what that means. They said that Devin was a gentleman and didn't say. But also Devin and Christina had done Casper together. They both came out in 95. Oh, But they look younger in Casper, so I'm assuming that one was filmed before then. But, you know, so they already had had like a little bit of a bond. So the four younger versions of the girls were actually cast first before any of the adults were brought in for the final week of filming. I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. It's crazy they were brought in so late, too. I know. I'm sure they had them cast before that final week, but they just didn't bring them in until then. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. So once all the adults got there, they watched footage of the girls acting to inform their own performances of, you know, the older versions of the girls. I like that. They did a good job. They did. Because it really felt like watching them as adults because you only see them for a little bit as adults in the beginning. And then you forget about them almost because you you go into this world where they're these kids that are coming of age. Mm -hmm. And then when you shift back to them, you can really see them, you know? Yeah. I thought they did a good job. And me being like brand new to it, it felt natural when Mm -hmm. they made that transition back. Mm -hmm. You're right. That was well done. So Thora confirmed that there was actually pudding in the balloons that Teeny used to stuff her bra in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So the original title of this movie was not Now and Then. I love this when this happens. This was called the Gaslight Edition, which is the subdivision that the girls lived in. Yes. It probably helps it today. Gaslighting, you know, is now uh, Yeah, a it's a negative light. thing. So right. it's, it's a good thing that they chose to go with now and then. <laughs> <laughs> the photo of Roberta's mom that she carried with her everywhere because her mom had passed away mm-hmm. is actually a picture of producer Jennifer Todd. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess she sees her in the newspaper, too. I guess that's probably the same photo or yeah. just the same person. I think it's the same photo, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I get to talk about this one. The rumor about pausing the movie at a certain time so you can sneak a peek at Devin Sawa's peen isn't true, according to Devin Sawa. Because I thought I was going to be reading this part. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just reading what's on the page. His thing a thing. His thing a thing. Sawa himself confirmed that they all had socks on and also that it was super embarrassing as they were like 14 and 15 years old. And I get that. That would not have been a good time. No. Well, we were talking about that. I was like, I told you about that rumor about how you could see it. It also made me really uncomfortable, though, as an adult watching it. And I was just like, they are showing a lot of little kid ass right now. Yeah. Like, it felt like way too much. It was funny because I was like, I wonder if they're skinny dipping. But I glanced up there and I thought they had bathing suits on. (laughs) And then it cuts over to the girls where their bikes are, where the boys bikes are. Mm -hmm. And all their clothes are there. And I was like, oh, did I just see like boy ass? (laughs) (laughs) Boy ass. Oh, my God. But yeah. And like you said, I think that the the rules are probably way different now because these kids are underage. They are. Yeah. And I, I can't believe that they were allowed to show their butt, period. Right. But to show it for an extended period of time was shocking. Yeah, exactly. Poor form. This I thought was funny. So all the kids, while they were filming, were apparently very into Pulp Fiction. And they went many times to see it in the theater together. And Christina Ricci saw it the most, which is 14 times. And she would walk around bragging about it. And the rest (laughs) of them saw it like 10 times. 
And I'm like, I've talked about this on this podcast. Like, yeah. I went to see that movie with my sister and I was probably, you know, 15. 15. Yeah. And that felt too young to watch Pulp Fiction a little bit. Yeah. I was 18. So I was I was old enough. You were worldly by then. Very worldly at that point. <laughs> I mean, I think for me, I was probably more sheltered than some people. So it was probably just like the cursing at the time that was like a little much than what I was used to watching. But, you know, people getting blasted in the face with a gun is okay, though. Right. I mean, you'd seen RoboCop by then, right? No. No. Have you ever seen RoboCop? I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of the Joel Kinnaman one, the new one. Oh, my God. That's just because Joel Kinnaman's in it. Well, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> That'll be the movie that we cover in no. a few weeks. Oh, man. The 1987 classic that is RoboCop. You have the year memorized? That was an absolute guess, but I guarantee you it's right. If it's not right, we won't cover it. <laughs> Please don't be right. Please don't be right. 1987. <gasps> How did you know that? <laughs> That's funny. I love that movie. All right. Well, anyway, it is kind of a an odd movie, though, for a bunch of 13 and 14 year old girls to want to go watch multiple times. Like at that point I was going to, I mean, maybe I guess like a year later, I was going to watch Romeo and Juliet 50 times. And uh, I went to see A Time to Kill a whole lot because of Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, but they're also in Hollywood. Legends and it was, of the Fall, Brad Pitt. <laughs> Sorry, I could keep going. It was a very different film at that time. So I, I'm wondering if that's why. Maybe because it was a unique spin or something but typically like 13 year old girls aren't going to watch john travolta and samuel L. jackson you know what i mean i right. i don't know for me all of my viewing movies multiple times had to do with hot men yeah plus it was an r-rated movie so it's like they were going to see it probably because they weren't supposed to as well maybe but i mean somebody had to be getting them in well they're big stars true who's gonna stop they them? could probably just <laughs> you know buy out the theater they'll be like hey christina ricci from the the hit kid <laughs> film casper casper is here is here again to watch pulp fiction anyway john she's been here 14 times we need to say no. <laughs> <laughs> all right i am interested to hear your favorite moments from this movie this was your first time watching it right yes it was yeah so my favorite moments i love the softball game that ends up in a big fight yeah I just love the fact that all the kids are super into it. It's like the the kids playing the game and they've got a crowd as well. And it kind of reminds me of our like neighborhood soccer games, Mm -hmm. which wouldn't have as big of a crowd, but we were all very into it. So it felt really authentic. And then Roberta beats the crap out of this kid that tells her that girls can't play softball. Mm -hmm. That also reminded me of our neighborhood because all the girls in the neighborhood would beat the crap out of the boys for a very long time, <laughs> my sister included. So it felt very authentic and real to me. And it, mm-hmm. was, it was a fun scene. Also, what I love about that scene is how the kid then goes on to talk about Roberta's mom who had passed away. Yeah. And then, you know, they're all trying to pull Roberta off of the guy. But then uh, once he says that about her mom, Samantha then jumps on him. It's on. Yeah. As a friend should. Absolutely. Next up, the scene with Cloris Leachman. I love Chloris. I'm so glad (laughs) that you picked this one because I wanted to make sure we mentioned her. By the way, may she rest in peace. May she rest in peace. Yes. We didn't call that out in the in the cast list, but the scene's a little on the shorter side. But too short, in my opinion. Yes. She's just so amazing in it. 
first of all, she feels like the embodiment of both of my grandmothers just combined into a single person. She does like these little things all the time when she's acting and it's so authentic. And then like right at the end of that scene, she's leaving to go with her friends to go to bingo. And it's like she's putting on a hat, except it's like a hair piece (laughs) to like go on top of her hair. And it was so confusing and hilarious. Like. Because she doesn't even really check it to make sure that it looks right. So she no. goes out and she just looks a little wacky. Yeah, because her, her friends are like out in the car, like beeping their horn at her because they're late for bingo. It's and so great. She's rushing out. I mean, um, that looks like a fun car to be riding in. It did. Like, we need that movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can we now have a movie that follows them? Yes, please. They should have done that. They should have done that. Also, that scene is so funny and something that I did not pick up on when I was watching it in 95 Yes, was how she's serving them all drinks and they all drink it and they're all like, you know, and I'm like, is she like a Manhattan? Is she giving them liquor (laughs) drinks? Like, what is happening right now? I feel like it's purposefully vague. Yeah. I think maybe there was alcohol in there, but they didn't call it out. It just was like, why wouldn't the girls like lemonade? Right. It's either that or it's really tart. Yeah. One of the two. <laughs> Finally, the scene with Crazy Pete, when he saves Sam from the drain. Yes. She's drowning in there. He goes in there. He saves her. They're all afraid of him originally. But afterwards, Sam brings flowers to the grave where he's there like grieving his son that had passed away. Dear Johnny. Dear Johnny. And they share a really tender moment together. Mm-hmm. It started to get to me last night a little bit, but yeah. I was tired. So, <laughs> thought I saw you wipe a tear away. There were no tears. <laughs> they were just a welling. I have to say that this little trope of the guy that everybody thinks is crazy and yeah. everybody's scared of gave me Home Alone vibes. Oh, yeah. Old Man Marley. Yes. I actually thought that's who it would be because when Crazy Pete first just like blasts by on his bike, I didn't see the guy's face. Yeah. And then I just like saw the back of his head or something and I figured it would be the actor that had played old man Marley, but it was not. So yeah, I definitely get that. Because he ends up saving the day. Yeah. In the end, you find out that he has a whole story and he's not actually a bad guy and all that. All right. So HMs for me. When Teeny is up on her roof. Yes. During her parents' rager and she can see the Mm drive-in from the roof. First of all, I was jealous of that. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I wish that was my house growing up that was so close to the drive-in because I love Mm drive-ins. And it was just like a good little subtle scene to show like what her life was like, you know, how her parents were inattentive to her Mm -hmm. and the fact that your child is up on a roof while you're getting wrecked. But then to also see that her friend was there for her up on this roof where Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be. (laughs) They were doing a lot of things that kids shouldn't do, but you know. But I I like that scene a lot. I felt like it really showed a softer side of Teeny and also being able to see that that was her dream. Like, yeah. you know, when she was young and she would recite the movie lines along with them and to know that then she grew up to become a famous actress. I right. thought that was cool to see, like, the beginning of that. Exactly. And finally, Sam's scene with her mom's new boyfriend, Bug, <laughs> slash Bud. Of course, she she calls him Bug to be funny. Yeah. And he's um, like, Bud. Bud, duh. Uh, and also lets him know that he's got like food stuck in his teeth. Yeah. So when he's trying to fix that, he like knocks a drink over into his shirt. He feels all awkward. <laughs> but uh, I thought that scene was a lot of fun. It was. Plus Hank Azaria is great. Yeah, I love Hank Azaria. What you got? Okay. So this is not too specific, but whenever the girls would ride their bikes, listening to the songs on the radio, like on Teeny's radio on her bike, like I was talking about, and just singing along. 
it just had that feeling of being so freeing. Mm -hmm. And like I was talking about earlier, when you're a kid, to be able to go somewhere without your parents, you know, and just especially being able to like sing along to popular songs with your friends while you're doing it right at the top of your lungs. Like it's just the best. That's just such a good, happy feeling. And every time they showed them doing it, it made me so happy. And I love that almost every time you see them going as a group on their bikes, they're listening to music. Yeah. I wish I could remember like the first time I went off by myself. I don't. I didn't have like quite this experience because I pretty much just stayed in my neighborhood. Yeah. As far as playing with my friends, you know, like our neighborhood is not really connected to like a a town or something like how yours was where I could like ride my bike to the library. It wasn't like that. You know, I I did walk to the candy store, Mm -hmm. but it, it wasn't even where I could like ride my bike on the main roads. I had to like cut through neighborhoods and stuff to get there. Yeah, like mine was set up to be able to like walk or ride your bike somewhere for the most part. It's like right after you got past the library, Mm -hmm. that's when it was not set up for that. Then you were on like roads and I can remember those parts when I'd first ride my bike on there. Like you had to be careful. Yeah. So I feel like I relate a little more like to my summers at the lake when I would be able to just go off by myself and it was different than just being on like one street. Yeah. You know. But also just getting to hear those old songs that they're listening to, like yeah, knock, knock Three Times and Sugar Sugar and all right. that kind of stuff. It's it's a fun soundtrack. And to think if they made this movie today, they would be listening to things like <laughs> Black Hole Sun and, you know, like, I don't know, Ice Ice Baby or something. Like Alanis Morissette. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love the whole scene that happens at the lake when they go there so that Chrissy can rinse out her hair. Mm-hmm. They're like swimming and then Roberta is up in a tree and she's going to jump from there and they're all like no Roberta it's too shallow don't do it and she Which does it, is. it right she dives in head she first she dives in and then basically she swam away from them and then is floating and in the movie you think that she's dead yeah because she's floating like face down, face down. So the girls are freaking out, going to help her, pull her out of the water. Teeny and Samantha are arguing over who's going to do mouth to mouth. Mm -hmm. And then Chrissy just runs up and she's like, out of the way. (laughs) You know, she's (laughs) going to do it. And right as she goes in to do it, Roberta spits in her face. You know, she faked her own death, basically. Again. And this is where we find out, yeah, that she had done that previously, where she jumped off a roof and pretended like she broke her neck. She has this fascination With death, where she's trying to make it funny. And obviously, it's tied to her mom dying when she was young. And, you know, it makes sense. But I love it because (laughs) Roberta's like, you know, now I know who my real friends are because Chrissy was the one that was like, I'm not going to argue. I'm just doing this. Right. And then Chrissy clocks her right in the face. Deservedly so. Yeah. And I mean, Roberta's shocked, but Chrissy's like, don't ever do that to me again. You know, she is pissed. Like, do not fake your own freaking death. She's like, you know, you are my best friend. And it's this little moment. And and this is also really great between these kids that are having these profound moments. And you can see what they're saying through their eyes. You right. know, it's like this moment where Roberta actually realizes, like, I'm not alone in this world. Like, I have this person who really, truly loves me and cares about me. Yeah. When they're adults, I wasn't clear on this. Do those two still live near each other? Yes. And hang out regularly, yes. right? Yeah, I thought that was the case, but I wasn't positive. Right. Because, you know, you're at Chrissy's house because she lives in her parents' house where the treehouse is. Yeah. But Roberta, yeah, Roberta's a doctor 
in town. In town. And because she, she says a few things oh, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, we don't see you around here anymore. Like, you should come home more often, like that kind of stuff. Okay. So, yeah. They're not like super clear about it, but I think it's. It was probably very obvious that <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> and then back to the lake. The mood is broken up, though, like after the whole punch in the face and the dramatics, because they hear and look and find that the wormers <laughs> are skinny dipping, like we talked about before. And they see their clothes that are just like hanging on their bikes. And they're like, oh, this is our chance. Because they had said before, like, we'll get you back. Yeah, because they had pelted them with water balloons that were full of like jello or something. Yes. So just like your friendly neighborhood rivalry, you know. Did you have anything like that? No, we were all friends. Yeah. I mean, we, we had kind of rivalrous relationships with some of the neighborhood families. Hmm. I'm glad we didn't have that. But we had a Heather. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like when the Avengers had a Hulk. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that's even sort of like that for me is just that my friend Kim's older brother scared the crap out of me. And yeah. he would, both of her older brothers actually would purposefully scare us like around Halloween and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, I mean, that's really the only thing where it was like, I remember them scaring us and us running away and being terrified. But it was never like a neighborhood rivalry kind of thing. So the girls decide they're going to get them back, steal the clothes. They're very proud of themselves. As and they should be. What That is an epic, epic move. Oh, it is. And they make sure to show them. I love this, too, because, you know, Chrissy, it's the one thing I, I don't really like about the movie because they make comments about her weight because she's a little heavier than them. But I do like the fact that, like, they know that they're going to have to take off. And Roberta's like, you go ahead. Yeah. Like, you get a head start because she knows that they're going to have to. They're going to have to make a fast getaway. Yeah. Because the boys are going to be chasing them. Hightail it out of there. So Chrissy goes ahead. And then they, you know, show the boys that they have their clothes and then the boys start coming after them. But the boys have to stop every now and then because huh, now and then because uh, <laughs> they're nude. And so they're like trying to hide themselves, you know, so they like only make it to certain points where they can't be seen, you know. Yeah, because you can't go too much further outside of the woods without having a problem. Right. And they run through like a barn and grab random like yeah. baskets and stuff to <laughs> yeah. hide. The girls do at least leave the clothes. But it's just funny that they made them have to, like, run out and, you know. Also, the girls are fascinated with seeing them naked. They so. were. It's a, again, more coming-of-age stuff. I would have only left a shirt for each one. Yeah. So, so then gotta, they have to Winnie the Pooh it? Yeah. Well, you either Winnie the Pooh it or you got to, like, tie a shirt around yourself <laughs> like a diaper or something. <laughs> also, really quickly, when the girls are all, like, excited about seeing them naked, Chrissy doesn't see it. The other three do. And she's like. Now I'm the only one who didn't see it. <laughs> so she's like, it's going to be the hot topic of the summer. It's all you're going to be talking about. And I'm not going to know. So now I have to look. You know, it's like this whole thought process. It was like the girls were all behind a log. Yes. Spying on them. And she was the only one that hadn't looked. Right. <laughs> so then she's like, I'm looking, but let it be known that, you know, it's what I forget what she says. But basically, like, she didn't want to, but she was going to. It's against my will, you know, yeah. like I don't want to, but I, <laughs> I have to do it like for the group. Yeah. So then she looks and then she's like, it's not that big. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably cold out. Right. Well, then they have to go into explaining more things to her that she doesn't understand because her mom did yeah. not teach her properly. But listen, my mom didn't teach me about those things either. Mine either. We, we, we had the books. We had the books. <laughs> so number three for me is when Scott happens upon Roberta, who's shooting baskets at her house. 
and they're playing together a little bit. And then, you know, she gets him something to drink and they sit on the swing and he asks her, can I kiss you? And he has to ask twice because he mumbles the first time. Yeah. When you're going in for that kiss, you get a little nervous. Yes. And they did a good job, both of them acting truly nervous, which they probably were. Yeah. And it's so great. They kiss and then she's like, Scott. Yeah. If you mention this to anyone, especially your brothers, I'll beat the out of you. Okay. (laughs) It's so good. Very good. So HMs, I love when they're playing truth or dare. And by the way, I feel like they always said truth. Like nobody ever took a dare. Even when they're adults, it's always truth. Yeah. Teeny asks Chrissy if she's ever been French kissed. (laughs) And she says, Are you kidding? I don't want to get pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) So good. And it's relatable, though, to just hear them talking about adult things, but not fully understanding. Right. You know, it reminds me of being at that age where you pretty much knew things, you know, but it was all still very mysterious because you hadn't actually experienced anything. Right. You had a good idea. Right. But no practical experience in a lot of things. Yes. I mean, I remember talking with friends and like trying to understand the male anatomy (laughs) and how that all worked. Just, yeah. Well, I would say ditto. Yeah. But for the female anatomy. Right. Being like, well, yeah, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Like if I bang Barbie and Ken together, I don't, it doesn't really make sense. (laughs) This anatomy lesson does not make sense. (laughs) Oh, man. But it's just such a good, like, innocent time. And I don't know. I feel old saying this, but I feel like kids are younger and younger these days learning about that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Well, I would assume. I don't have one, so I don't know. Okay, next up, I loved the interaction with Brendan Fraser's character. You know, he was the Vietnam vet. You know, they had all these questions for him and I really liked how he spoke to them like they were adults. Right. You know, it's probably the first time that a lot of them have been spoken to that way. Like what they said mattered. Like they could understand what he was saying. Yeah. You know, like he gave them the benefit of the doubt. He gave them cigarettes. Not a great thing, but, you know, good that he kept them on his level. Yeah. I mean, definitely not great because we obviously see that 25 years later, two of them are still smoking. Right. And that, you know, started right there. Mm -hmm. But I like how he like clued them in on some things. And he had said, I'm going to tell you something that I wish someone had told me when I was your age. Your parents aren't always right. Yeah. And now if there's any kids listening to this, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But as an adult, you can look back. And I mean, I love my parents so much, but you know, you grow up and you form your own opinion. You realize that there are things It's not about right or wrong, really, but it's just about how you feel about something, how you see something. Right. And you don't have to always carry on how your parents felt about something. You are your own person. Right. While you're in a family, Mm -hmm. you're not the same person that they are. Right. You are free to think and feel your own thoughts. Yeah. And I think it's interesting when there are children who... Even at a young age, you know, like they can feel like something's not quite right or Mm -hmm. they just already start to feel something different than what their parents want them to feel. Right. You know, and I get that, like a lot of parents are thinking about trying to like build this foundation and raise you right, quote unquote, or whatever, in whatever way that may be. Yeah. But then as parents, you also have to know that 
once they grow up and become adults, it may be different. And a lot of times it's just the time that that person is growing up. Because I guarantee you that if if I had grown up like in the 50s or something, well, I don't know. But I mean, my coming of age being in the 90s, I was exposed to the real world and MTV and all this stuff that they weren't exposed to as kids. Yeah. And same thing with like people that came of age in the early, mid, late 60s. Right. That was a transformative time in a different way. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing. You know, the the 70s were like carrying that on. Then the 80s had a different kind of transformation, which carried into the 90s. And I think a lot of that, it depends on what time, because you're coming of age years, quote unquote, like your young adolescent years into adulthood are very formative and very impactful for how you're going to be as an adult. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter what you did your first 12 years of your life or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, because you're exposed to something different than your parents were. Like, my parents were kids in the 50s, in the 40s and 50s, you know? Yeah, like, it's during that time of your life that things start forming and changing. Mm -hmm. And, like, your brain starts taking the shape that it will. For right. the rest of your life. Not yeah. that you don't continue to grow and of evolve. Of course. Like you always need to be willing to grow and evolve. Yeah. It's super formative though. During that, you know, there's like a five to seven year period where you are going to change quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Or if you're not exposed to anything new, you're probably going to stay the same right. and then stay that way. But I think it must have something to do with your hormones as well. Like, Absolutely. That you're like in this place where you're ready to kind of go against the grain or or you're wanting to learn more or whatever. I don't know what that is. It, yeah, it's absolutely part hormonal, but also part that your body is still growing. Mm-hmm. You're not fully grown at that point. And your brain is part of your body. And right. it's also changing yeah. greatly during that time. Mm-hmm. That's so why we're so impressionable. So scientific. Well, it's probably all wrong. And I might go to the <laughs> VP's office, but it's fine. Look, if somebody wants to call you out on that, do it. Kick I welcome. I welcome. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm we kidding. We welcome the discussion. And who says kick rocks? I do, apparently. I feel like you learned that at Weast Lake. <laughs> and it's just carried on. <laughs> I, was only, I was watching Beach Blanket Bingo. Maybe they said <laughs> they kick can rocks. Go kick rocks. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I don't know if I've ever heard you say that before. I feel like I said it another time this week. And I was like, where did that come from? I have no idea. <laughs> I love it. Okay, one more HM is the moment at the end of the film where they're adults and they're all sitting in the treehouse. And it's not even really what they're saying. Like, you know, Chrissy has her baby there or whatever. It's just the feeling of it. It's what we're trying to capture with this podcast mm-hmm. and our page. And we're sitting in a blanket fort recording this right <laughs> now. It's that feeling of being in a space that you were in when you were a child and it just felt different. And it, it was a time of innocence and all of that. And especially if you can be there with people who were there with you while you were experiencing all that, right. like nobody else in the world can understand how you feel right now. Yeah. But yet we all can relate to that feeling. Absolutely. You know, it may not be in a treehouse, but for me, it could be sitting in my parents' basement with all the people that I grew up with in my neighborhood you know, hiding under the pool table or something. Like Like for me, it's like playing hide and seek in the York's barn. Right. You know, like running around. Like if you could somehow experience the smells and the the feel of those places with the people that you experienced that with, I can't even imagine what that would actually feel like and what that would bring back. So just that moment just feels magical. And I feel like you see it on all of their faces in that moment. I feel like they did a good job conveying just how it felt for them to sit there. 
in that treehouse that they all worked so hard to buy, you know? Yeah. And, and it's funny, like, it seems so cheap, you know, when they looked at it in their catalog. Yeah. It's like $129, but I'm sure that's like $700 right. now or yes. something. But it's like they work so hard to save their money, mm-hmm. you know, for their treehouse fund. And did we miss the moment? Yes. It was not in the movie. Where, like, they're building up to getting this treehouse and then all of a sudden it's just, it's just there. there and in there's, the tree. There's no, like, well, I feel like we saw it once when it was, like, down on the ground. And then the next time we saw it, it was up in the tree. Right. Like, we never saw it purchased. Right. It was on the ground and then all of a sudden in the tree. I would have liked to have seen them go and actually purchase it. I would have liked to have seen them purchase it. I wanted to see it arrive. Yeah. And then I wanted to see it put up in the tree somehow because that had to take a crane. <laughs> yeah. It was already assembled. Yeah. I'm like, well, Chrissy's dad obviously <laughs> worked that out for them, but I would like to have seen a little bit of that. Maybe he was a builder and, <laughs> you know, he, he tore it apart and rebuilt it because it was a nice tree house. It was, but that's it for that. That's it. That was a good movie. I'm glad I got to watch that finally with you. I'm glad you did, too. I know you've been hearing me talk about it for a while. It was fun. So before we go, this film came out in 1995. Can you pick a song that came out in 1995 that you would like to talk about right now? My graduation year. Yes, that's right. Yes. I mean, I I feel like there's so many songs to pick, and I think we've done this year before. Probably, yeah. But, But this song, to me, sounded unique, but was also like... So haunting. I mean, you know, I don't really listen to lyrics, but even I knew this was a song that was about something dark, very dark. Yeah. But it's PJ Harvey, Down by the Water. And I mean, that's still a song that when I hear it, it's just a, a very interesting song for me. Yeah. I chose... You Oughta Know by Alanis Morissette. It's not fair to deny me All across I bear I can't get to me Yeah, yeah, yeah Oughta Know Nice pick. I feel like it's the first song that I heard that I would sing to and I don't know that I really like this term anymore, this phrase, but it was known as like angry chick rock. Okay. But it was just Girls that had written about stuff that pissed them off. Right. And I wasn't really that pissed off. I mean, I think that I thought I was, but I didn't really have anything to be pissed off at. Right. Really. And especially not what she's talking about, which is like her boyfriend cheating on her or whatever. Like I I hadn't experienced that at that point. Yeah. You didn't want your parents to tell you what to do and you had boy problems. Yeah. But it was just so minuscule Mm -hmm. compared. Right. But I sang this song and I still sing this song like... It happened to me like I wrote it, you know, and yeah, I mean, it's just a great song that conveys that feeling like she definitely conveys that feeling of being cheated on and being yeah. pissed off. And I think it's about Dave Coulier, but probably I don't know that it's been confirmed or denied. Joey, mm-hmm. <laughs> you talk about hitting a home run with your first album like that. Yeah. Whole album. Jagged Little Pill was so good. I feel like I could listen to that beginning to end forever. I feel like we did recently. Didn't we, we did. I mean, it's been like a year or so. But I remember we were like, we were going to be in the car for a while and we definitely did it. And we, we didn't have it on shuffle. It wasn't on a, well, I guess it probably was on a Spotify playlist. Yeah, but we played it in order. We didn't yes. shuffle it. Yeah. So it's like we were listening to the album. In As order. it's meant to be heard. Yeah. It was very good. It was a lot of fun. 
And it's an awesome album and a fantastic song. Yeah. And they've turned it into a musical now, you know. Oh, that's right. They have. Mm -hmm. So that's it for this week. I had a lot of fun with this movie. Me too. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.